Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Neil and Jordan podcast, podcast where two comedians talk like experts on subjects they're not experts on. Uh, if we're not already cancelled after last podcast when we were laughing about buttholes and retards, <laughs> uh, it's great that you're still with us and we're still kicking. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. We have subscriptions available, neilkohacker.com slash podcast. All subscriptions go entirely to charity. So, yeah, you can't cancel us. See, we're cancer-proof now. Uh, it definitely does help. That always my, puts you in a dude, moral position. That is definitely going to be my first line of defense. If anyone ever tries to clip something out of this podcast, oh, so you don't like supporting the poorest children on the planet then, I guess. It's... It is bulletproof. Because that's their argument all the time. And also, I guess you just hate black people. No, I want to make a joke about them, but I don't hate them. Oh, so you just hate them then. Yeah, I know. Well, don't you reckon it's, it's just so sinister. much better? Because Yeah, but you can just say now, like, dickhead, I've saved like 800 black kids. Shut <laughs> the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> you guys have. Not me. I facilitated it. Yeah, Which yeah, is the most important role. I'm the middleman of the charity. You are. <laughs> I'm the real estate agent oh, of man, saving so kids. <laughs> no, I sponsored a kid when I did all of that. I did that contribution podcast and I thought, I want to contribute to the world. And then I uh, set that up and I, I got a sponsor child. I think his name is Eric. <laughs> In Rwanda. I could, if there's anyone I can make fun of, it's my own sponsor child. Yeah, I know. I'm literally saving his life. Yeah, exactly. You can pay about all you want. Yeah. You can be very abusive to him. He's he got still a, has to cop it. He's got a very long, very typical. It's the kind of last name a comedian would use as, you know, mocking African last no, names. No, like a lot of clicks. Like in a look at Zuga, look at look at Dom Bombe. That's something like I couldn't pronounce it. <laughs> It's <laughs> mad. Shout out, Eric, if you're listening. Does he know? Yeah, his first name's Eric. What the fuck? And then it's this 15-letter last name. <laughs> Does he know who you are? I mean, I haven't looked at the... I. You can send a virtual letter, an email. I don't want to call it a fucking virtual letter. Yeah, why? And it's just more sentimental, I, I'm assuming. And then I, in the last week or two, he still hasn't replied. I sent that three weeks ago or something so he hasn't gotten that education yet that i'm paying for yeah <laughs> no for fuck fuck's sake funds going hey where is your buddy going we got an indian sponsor dad you gotta give me some <laughs> results all right i want this shit <laughs> yeah grade him that's a, that's actually what happened to uh yeah my girlfriend did exactly the same thing sponsor a child you sponsored a child. It's just like getting a subscription to the Telegraph. You just completely fuck it and forget about it. That's it. Yeah, I've actually just remembered it from. <laughs> I forgot about him. <laughs> um, so this this podcast, we're going to do a topic that someone has sent in, but uh, we'll get to that around maybe the ten or fifteen minute mark. Is there anything else? Do you want to talk? Anything on your mind? Just that. That's all I've been processing for the last week. Is how funny that show is. But look, look, there's a lot of things that don't work in it. That's it. Documental. What else? I I was trying to process why Seinfeld worked. That's what I've just been doing a lot recently is... How various successful comedies operate. How they operate. And 
It's probably a good venture. It's a good venture. And then the other one that I've gotten back into, and I think that this is something that both you and I had that was just a huge advantage over a lot of our competition. We have a basic understanding of theatrics. And as I've said before, I think that that's just imperative if you're just going to be a performer. It doesn't matter what. You should be studying the basics of drama. Yeah, I come from a drama background, so. Yeah, and it it's just like it gives it gives our performances a dimension that other comedians don't have. The other thing that a comedian would be relying on is if their character is funny, if they themselves are a joke. That's going to help. But yep. if you don't have that, you are going to have to be able to go in and out of characters that are funny. Yeah, yeah. I always say there's uh, the comedians who are funny in their joke writing, funny in their character, or funny in their... There's different types. Of the, the, there's the joke writing that is uh, the more British style of witty joke writing, and then there's the American, more elaborate, almost a logician style of comedy mm. where you're breaking something down, you're making a point. Mm. It's a lawyer trying to make an argument mm. Mm. in a comedic way. Mm. So those are the, yes, your character comedy. Oh, yeah, and then you've got physical comedy, obviously. But... With all of them, theatre would help. With yeah. every single one of those. If you understood theatrics, you were going to be in a better position. Yeah, it's as simple as just the the face you make after a joke. Simple as that. The delivery, the stage presence. I'm going back into it now. I am going to start reading a bunch of books that my girlfriend has about stagecraft. I think that's going to be my next venture because I used to have this thing over the years where I'd be like, I'm just going to read about that subject for a year straight. And then I got out of it. And I've just been like, I've just been going into that phase of like everything that could be invented has been invented. And then it suddenly hit me. Again, this is why I was obsessed with that show because one of them said my edge on the other comedians is that I studied theatre before I studied comedy. And then it just switched in my head like, yes. It's like what I was saying before, the reason that the Australian comedians from the 90s are better than the comedians now generally is because they all wanted to be actors. That's the main difference. So anyway, that's what I've been thinking about a lot. Mm. What have you been thinking about? You know they use the, you know how everyone says where these are the culture wars? Mm. I thought it would be just a kind of fun activity to figure out the different sects of the culture wars because it's not just left and right. I think there's a few. I think there's about four or five. There's your progressive woke left. Mm-hmm. And when I say left, you know what I mean? Culturally. You mean woke? Yes, woke. We'll just say woke. But this, this is the other thing as well, because okay. I hate that they fucking took that word. Woke was a really good word to describe someone who like is aware. gets how the world works. Yeah. Well, now it's been completely bastardized. Yeah. You need a new word. And red pilled is always just a bit fucking funny. Don't you think? Because it's just like, it's to yeah. do with the Matrix. So it's just like, it's inherently it's kind of a bit funny, kind yeah. of a joke. It's very meme ish. But uh, yeah, and woke is just, because it's just gone into that culture. You're just like, when you think about it. But yeah, go on. You woke. You got your sort of working class, nativist, generally white population. <laughs> Uh, yeah, a, a lot, lot of, of those... Trump's base in America and then a lot of traditional Labor base here in Australia that are now maybe going to Pauline Hanson. Yeah, lots of uh, 
the know, Brexit like, voters in England. Brexit voters in England, yeah. Guys, a lot of folded arms, a lot of cars. Yep. A lot of very obese wives. They're always... Isn't it fucking amazing? That they're madly in love with. Or an Asian Why? wife. Well, I get the Asian one because the Asian one's like 20 years younger. But like, you know when you're always... Because I met you, I loved you so much. Yeah, it's trying not to cry. <laughs> <laughs> and then we've got uh, working class immigrants, right? They're very socially conservative. They have a bit of an alliance because there's these awkward alliances that go on, right? There's a bit of an alliance there with, I guess, the woke because woke are very welcoming to immigrants but are also entirely different in their social outlook because because working class Muslims or Europeans or even Indians, well, first of all, they probably think gay people are going to hell and they're very strict about what women can and cannot do, very family-oriented, entirely different life to the life that someone in the, the woke side of the culture wars would live yet there's a slot there's a kind of unholy alliance there then i guess you've got your old money uh traditional conservative neoliberals but they're not really part of the culture war they're sort of in a bit of an alliance almost with the that working class nativist yeah but they're just pulling the strings They'll say just enough to dog whistle yeah. to them, but then there's no true, 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 true. They're, they're not. I suppose okay, they are well, part of the culture war, but they're just like upper class. They're weapons manufacturers. They're not sure. soldiers. I'm not talking the elites, but your upper class making two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars a year. Upper management, dude. The, those not cunts, the elites. Those cunts are in alliance with works. They're always some the ones them, that are like we need them. more women in banking. That's why. Yeah, I was going to. That's kind of look. There's, the, you know what? Yeah, they don't actually. People in that income bracket are either woke or they're more Christian. Conser- yeah, that's another tribe that exists. Christians, like religious conservative, that is generally more middle and upper class, and a bit of an alliance with that nativist working class, but then also culturally a bit different there. The people, people family oriented. Yeah. Yeah. Northwest, is it? Northwest. Northwest. Hills. Rich, uh, maybe you know, your kind of income bracket of your two hundred to four hundred thousand dollars a year type a lot income of doctors. bracket. Yep. Yep. Culturally probably quite similar to your more working class immigrants. Yes. They are. I'd say so, yeah. Yeah. They'd just be those two are the most yeah they'd be socially conservative I'd say yes working class immigrants and the richer social conservative whites they are the most socially conservative groups whereas I guess the the working class um I'll call them the working class nativists we'll call them that. They are not that. I don't think they're that socially conservative. They're always like, oh, yeah, I got like fucking two ex wives and went to the fucking broth the other day. A lot of brothel visits. Like, you know, quote unquote conservative about that. No. Uh, heavy drug use. Yes, but it's problem. But it's not the same kind of social progression as, as woke, which is like. Coke. Everything's problem. And, you know, even the act of sex itself, is there's some sort of problem with it. Yes. 
Yeah. I think those are the main, I guess, sects, if you will, of the culture wars. But then some people have a bit of an alliance here and there. And then economically, I think some of the woke and the uh, uh, upper class Christian, we'll call them, we'll call them the conservatives. We'll just call them conservatives. They are probably in support of similar economic policies. Yeah, they would be. Although then there is a side of the the woke, you could almost then split into two different groups of your more upper class woke and then moving into more democratic socialist woke as well, which is your AOC type, younger, you know, communistic, uh, fervent activist types. But you know what the thing is about those types? They are economically progressive until it impacts them in the fucking slightest. Because they're usually (laughs) terrible people. Yeah. You know? And then then all of a sudden, like, you know, you're shooting an outrage. That's how I feel about just super progressive people in general. They they put out this image of I'm so compassionate and kind and inclusive. As soon as they feel uncomfortable, as soon as something is attacking them or whether it's in their personal life or politically – they become Karens, mm. immediately become the victims. Yep. All that compassionate, kind veneer, it's gone. Yep. Judgment. It's your typical boomer sentiment, but it's like, oh, the people who say they're tolerant are not tolerant, but that's true. Yeah, it There's is. nothing tolerant. They're, they're always saying, we just want you to stop and listen, listen to different voices. We do. We listen to the the you know, leading voices of the modern women's movement and the the cultural left, whoever's leading those voices, I'm happy to listen, but then they'll never listen to anyone else. No. As soon as you start saying, well, these are things from my perspective. No, nope. no, nope. you're just uneducated. It's because, dude, like anyone that's really... You know what it really boils down to? Anybody that's really into that shit... It's not so much that their identity is. It's not so much that their identity is born is birthed around those beliefs. It's actually more birthed around the idea that they're. Like, this this is the unquestionable assumption in their mind. I am morally superior. Yeah, and that's such a. They say everything's toxic. That is, a, if there ever is a toxic idea to have, it's that because then that justifies. Any behavior they do. Yes. Because it's either a a sort of self-defense mechanism or it's I'm protecting myself from the other toxic people. So I'm allowed to be a bitch or I'm allowed to be a total asshole. I'm allowed to punch someone if they are, quote unquote, a Nazi. Mm. I I really have experienced this in my personal life as well. People who are like, I'm a kind person. I value compassion. I value inclusiveness. As soon as they're made to feel uncomfortable or something... Conflict arises, vicious like the viciousness comes out immediately. Yeah, it's almost people are gonna hate me referencing Jordan Peterson about this, but he, now he talks about you know the universal feminine spirit or something where it's that mother bear that is so protective of her cubs, but as soon as there's any perceived threat at all, just will attack with the most aggressive ferocity. Mm imaginable Mm. 
I think there are parallels to that. It's people who will put out this perfect veneer on social media about they're kind, they're compassionate, we're nice, we're inclusive. As soon as they're challenged, as soon as they're made to feel uncomfortable, kindness gone, the, the, the self-righteousness stays though. So whatever action they then partake in is justified in their reality. But you know what 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 you were talking about two podcasts ago with Christianity. Now I I'm not a Christian by any means, but the, the, I kept saying that the belief that I love is that Christians really are committed to the idea that I am a human and I am imperfect. The only perfect person is God and and Jesus. We are imperfect. We sin. We make mistakes. Mm. That is a powerful idea. Yeah. I think that's very humbling. And I think it's true. Mm. If you go through life thinking, oh, everyone else has just done stuff to me. And, you know, you see that on the reality shows that you were commenting on on your maths video where, uh, oh, look, I've just loved too deeply and I've let people take advantage. I just need to put boundaries up. I'm not, And I'm not denying people's experience of, Trauma and abuse or anything like that. But yes, but if, the question is, what's your fault? And if th- you think that that's your fault, you're deluded. Yes. there's <laughs> Your fault is, I'm too nice. Give me a break. Right. It's the same with those incel type guys. I'm just too nice. Hmm. Fuck off. Have some introspection. I know. It's like... I can tell you a multitude of my faults. I discuss well, it on and the you podcast do. That's the, the whole podcast, really. <laughs> it's just us saying that. It could be definitely more disciplined, not think about myself as much, have a better pattern for how I live my life and a bit more structure. It's just so many things. I'm constantly thinking about it. But when I see people that are, I'm just, I'm a, I'm a kind and genuine person. I'm, I just like authentic, kind, genuine people. No, you like people that are kind and genuine and authentic to you. And as soon as there's any semblance of conflict, rather than you actually thinking about, is this person correct? Could I actually be wrong in this situation? Oh, they're toxic. They're bad. They're not a kind person. I'm I'm kind and I don't deal with unkind people. What a narrative to have. That's the most narcissistic narrative. It's insane. And it talks about Mark Manson says this in the subtle art of not giving a fuck he says this was the first time i really it was really articulated and i know i know you don't like that book but he talks about your classic textbook narcissism which is i'm so great i'm arrogant and i'm better than other people then there's a entirely different end of the spectrum of narcissism which is the perpetual victim narcissism everything i'm fine and i I've, don't do things wrong and People are just unkind to me. They take advantage of me. It's not me. It's the system. It's the world. The world encourages people to be greedy and, and bad. No. Humans are imperfect. We are animals at the end of the day. We are not immune to our biological impulses. We still have a reptilian brain. Now, we also have the capacity to be in control of that. But to strive for this kind of perfection, we're not robots. We're not computers. And coming back to Christianity, that is the beauty of a major part of its ethos, which is you are imperfect, you are sinful, you are forgiven. 
Fuck. You it's know what? Beautiful. That is. It's beautiful. It is, and, and man. I never even thought about that, dude. That's the basis of it. That's a, what's a major part of it. Has to be. It's Fuck. so humbling, isn't it? Sin is just another word for imperfection. Yeah. So it's just like, it's at the very fucking core of it. It's just like, it's saying to you, no, you're not perfect. There's something wrong with you. It's your job to search it out. Yes. It's, it's not, putting it's that, not that on you. There's something wrong with you. It's that you are a human being and we can have these moral ideals of perfection. You can strive for that. And some people will be better at trying to attain that than others. No doubt there. But it's naive to think you're perfect at that. And then they yeah. have the idea of Jesus and God who are the... Um, look, okay, I'm not a scholar here. Someone in the comments can articulate this better than I will. But my very, very uh, simplistic interpretation of that is that is then that symbol of moral perfection. So we can never actually reach that, but we're forgiven for that. And we're still loved, we're still accepted, we still have intrinsic significance, but we should be aiming for it. I really, I think it's beautiful. I think it's a great message. And then there are all those other things that can come with it that I don't agree with, but... Yeah, but like in general... The core of it. It's just like that... It's great. Really what you're talking about there, like with, I don't know... In the culture war, really, what's what the general swath of people are. like? First of all, those corporate types that are always talking about, you know, what really needs to change about banking, the fact that there's not enough women in the boardroom of banking. That's the imperfection of banking. Those people are the worst people in society, definitely, because it's just like they've got that thing of like I'm morally superior. And what they're doing on a societal level is, like, inarguably fucked. Like, really damaging to society. Um, what if they're level. at one of those banks you told people to go? Oh, yeah. Well, we're not talking about those. We're talking about, like, okay. major banks. Yeah. Like, ones that have just billions of dollars at their disposal and they don't give a fuck where it goes as long as it, like, returns a profit. Uh-huh. It's, again, it's, that, it's exactly what Christianity talks about. Like, somebody was actually making this in the comments. They were saying that, really, if you look at the teachings of Christianity, what it's really teaching you is really not, not Bernie Sanders' followers, which is a completely different kettle of fish, but Bernie Sanders himself... That's what Christianity is teaching you to be. Like, stop thinking about yourself. Think about how you can serve the community. Like, your entire life is just about devotion to improving the world. That's really what it's trying to teach you. Uh, you know, like, you know, just just so fucking unconcerned with money. Really, and, and like, that's really what he's constantly attacking there. Like, his entire, his first message, and I think that that's why it was a lot more... Uh, successful the first time around than it was the second time around because his first time was just purely just like the love of money is the root of all evil that's really what he was just fucking trying to like focus in on is just like all of these institutions that don't actually generate any wealth uh that just kind of suck up other people's wealth and then generate wealth off of that those those things need to go you know uh but anyway that was like those are definitely the worst people and then on the other side, like what you're talking about with the people that are just like Christian in their values, 
the, the social conservatives, I suppose, what you're saying. Dude, I honestly think that they've got, like in terms of their personal impact on the world, they're the best people. Like they really are. Like, dude, it, it really summed it up when I was in Pakistan. Wait, are you talking about that? Like cunts in the hills. Yeah, okay. Like they're just like, dude, okay. The fact that they, you know, vote for the Liberal Party and stuff like that, it, it's like that part I'm just like, look, that is not because of, that is not because they're like, you know, the, the people in the banking sector, they're like, yeah, but this benefits me. It's just kind of like that culture is kind of pervaded there. But if you talk to those people about it and you're just like, no, they're, they're actually really evil. Like they're just destroying rivers. Uh, they're wiping out species. They're completely tanking the economy for the benefit of like six corporations. The average Hills person will be like, yeah, okay. And then they'll change their vote, you know? But like... Because well, politics isn't religion to them. Religion is religion. Religion to them. them. But the only reason that they vote for it is because their church pastor will just be like, you're voting yeah. for the liberal one. It's like the same thing in the US. I it's, just don't yeah. think that they're fundamentally evil people. I think that they're just misguided in that one thing. But I think that the average like woke person is just fundamentally misguided in their own personal impact on the world. Whereas like that social conservative, dude, what is the bet that guy's giving way more to charity, even in proportion to his income? Uh, oh, what's the, the bet that he's like raising way better, more functional kids? Oh, yeah. You know, the like, studies are pretty clear that people, even when you control for income, uh, yeah, religious people give massive amounts of their in- income to charity. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it stops it's, there. I think that they're just like, they're probably, you know, much kinder people in their day to day life. I reckon they're probably more empathetic. I reckon that, like, in terms of, like, you know, personal impact, those social conservatives are probably killing it. And I think that, like, the yeah, ones that wrong. are... Don't you reckon? And the ones in, like, Newtown and shit, I, I honestly think they just haven't been fucking tested when it comes to that. It's like, actually, what Spanion talks about with, like, prisoners and shit, where he's just like, all these fucking cunts are always talking about burnyaders and shit like that. You haven't been in a fucking position where they say, bro, we'll take 10 years off your sentence if you fucking snitch on this cunt. You don't know if you're a dog. You probably are a dog. You just haven't been tested. It's so true. It's true, isn't because it? Because it, it's like I said, as soon as they're made to feel uncomfortable or they're challenged in any way, which way, that whole value mechanism that they supposedly have, kindness, compassion, tolerance, gone. Gone immediately. Yeah. That's fucking true. They become it vicious. Happens. Yeah. Yeah. Even on their... It's definitely... That's what happens when, yeah, they're personally attacked, which means... You can assume, and as I know of my current dealings with hipsters, that big video is coming out soon, but like financially, they will talk all day long about how there needs to be tax redistribution and there needs to be all these new social programs. As soon as that fucking tax man comes over to them, they'll be the first ones whining. And it's because they're just personally deficient people. (laughs) <laughs> i swear that's true like dude i reckon that if you talk to the average social conservative and you convince them that tax is a good thing that it does all of these social programs that you don't even know about and that's why you should do it that they would not be against tax they don't think they'd be against it as a principle yeah i don't think a lot of them they just are necessarily against it they just want to know that it's going to those virtuous causes and not going to <laughs> the abc <laughs> I know. Well, who does want to go there? Yeah. <laughs> Apart from people that work at the ABC. <laughs> I 
Um, I'll tell you who does. I'll tell you who does. Old cunts. Like 70 and 80 year olds. Meant something to them back then, I think. I even my uh I have family members that are not too old, fifties and you know, the early Gen X and they really loved it. It's a, <laughs> it's a because before the internet that was the place where you got articulate, intelligent journalism and the commercial it's, channels were rubbish. But yeah. now that the internet has come about and that many of those channels, you know, the woke ideology has corrupted them. And I don't have anything to get. Look, if there's a, once to, if people want to have that discussion and there's a sector that is that that articulates that woke ideology, I'm happy no one's more happy than I am to see that discussion played out, to hear the the back and forth, the to and fro from that ideology. But they, these are people who never want to debate. They never want to discuss. You know when you talk to someone who's an authentic, who, who's truly intellectually curious and they will properly listen to you? Mm. You know that feeling when someone's genuinely listening to you, really trying to understand the best version of your argument, most likely conceding some points. Yeah. And saying, okay, I can see how you've connected those two. I can see what you mean there. I know what you mean. This is, they don't do that. No. Never. 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 Yeah. It's never that at all. It's, hey, I'm just going to parrot this ideology at you. And I'm superior in it because they won't say things like, I can see what you're saying from your perspective. Let me give you my perspective. No, no, no. Educate yourself. This is the way it is. It's really infuriating. <sighs> and, it, and yeah, to be... It, to be Frank, it's it's triggering. You know what it is? There's there's actually the, you know the creator of Dilbert. I've still got to read that book. Actually, I just heard him just shilling it the other day, and he's got, it's it's just called Loser Think. But the <laughs> overall, <laughs> it's dude, it's such a good description of what it is. First of all, it's great. He's mm. very good at picking those things because it sticks in your mind. It was culturally relevant because it was around when Trump was around. Um. But but the main point of it is, and he's just talking about pretty much what you're reading at the moment, all the different cognitive biases in it. But he says that you can pretty much sum up all cognitive biases as is just this, shortcuts to thinking. And so the people... Yes. Well, you just said it then. Those people are not intellectually curious. They, they're not interested in fucking learning. And hashing out ideas. No, getting into the to and fro. They just want the reality reinforced because that is the quickest way yes. to getting onto their life. Like, and so it's just like, as we're saying, it's a loser think. That's what losers think like. Those are like what people that are going to be very fucking unsuccessful in like think like. They're uh -huh. just like trying to find as many mental shortcuts as they can. Yeah. It's just as an extension to the rest of their life. They're just looking for the shortest way to get to their fucking like little satisfaction in life. So they are just terrible people in every regard. And, and no one is immune to that. We all have our biases and partake in confirmation bias and cognitive dissonance and all these things. But we are, I like to think, I, I try as best as I can to be aware of that. I don't think they have any, in, it's, you know what, it's introspection. You can question whatever narrative you want that's being peddled to you. Question the narrative you're telling yourself. That's what you need yeah. to do. What are you telling yourself? 
well, I'm a good person. Well, I'm a, I'm a kind person. I'm a smart person. That's a big one I've always told myself, but I question that now. Am I? I don't know. By what measurement? By what metric? It's like I'm a great comedian that's just got this combination of natural talent and hard work, and I've been able to navigate through this ever-changing landscape, and it's all my hard work. And I mean, I don't know. That's a narrative I tell myself. Hmm. Probably some truth to it, but I don't know. See, I'm going to tell myself good things. Yeah, we always tell ourselves. We always think we're the good person. Otherwise, that you kill yourself. No, but it's don't. There is a point. I don't remember when it was, but I just remember having that realization. It obviously was just a result of reading a lot of books, hmm. but there was definitely some point where I just exactly what you said, which is like, fuck, I am telling myself what I want to hear. Or at least like I'm just constantly reinforcing a story in my head. Mm-hmm. And as you said, not questioning it at all. Yeah. And and a lot of self-help is the reiteration and the and the realization that the way we perceive ourselves through our individual narrative can then manifest in real life consequences in our work life, personal life, business life, you know, our life. But you're still then just you're just manipulating the story, but are you? But are you, are you still how cognizant are you of the fact that there's just this constant narrative playing out in your mind? So I think if you're telling a liberal voter, liberals are bad economic managers, they've got a they've got a spectrum of possibilities that they could then take in. But let's say the two main ones are, okay, liberals are bad economic managers. I've been wrong for years. I'm not as smart as I think I am. I have been duped. I uh, can't look down upon the pretentious lefties anymore, and i am been the pretentious one. Or uh, just another pretentious lefty who doesn't know what they're talking about. Which narrative are they going to be more inclined to mm. subconsciously connect with? Mm. You obviously just want to fucking reinforce exactly what you thought beforehand. I think it's deeper than that. I think it's you want to maintain your reality and your sense of self-worth and you will hold on to that dearly. So it actually depends. Dude, that really depends on how much, in this example, the Liberal Party is to your identity. Uh, yeah, so well, there would be like a lot of like, don't you think that there's a lot of things that like if someone said to you, I don't know, let's just give this example. Um, hey, bananas are not actually yellow. They're a red, but you can't see them in the human eye or something like that. And someone told you that like, you're just like, oh, okay. Yeah. There's certain things that if it's not part of your identity and, and part of what you value in yourself, you're probably indifferent to it. You wouldn't give a shit. Yeah. So, like, but if somebody said to you, uh, you know, like, humor humor is the exact opposite of what you think it is. Humor is, you know, this is something because I I know that this is part of my identity. I'm very fucking aware that humor 
is not punching up. It's just punching. Mm. And punching down gives you some of the funniest laughs. This is just comedic fact. Mm. Every, so it triggers me every time I hear people saying like, real comedy is punching up. It's just like, yeah. fuck you. I'm a comedian. I see people's faces when I make certain jokes. Where you're being triggered is is an insight into when your identity is being attacked and when exactly your narrative is, is being attacked. Exactly. So what was, I, what was I talking about on one of the previous podcasts where I get really triggered about that? You get triggered about too, which is when someone is trying to tell me what's going on in my head. Yes. What my intention is. Yes. So why am I getting so triggered about that? What is it, my narrative that they're attacking? But dude, that's... That I'm an, it's, it comes down to, I think, a big... Uh, a big part of my narrative is i'm i'm smart yeah <laughs> so it's just as soon as that gets attacked fuck, fuck, don't know what you're fucking talking about <laughs> but it's even more because like there could be just be like you're just sleepy at the moment even something like that that's not really attacking your intelligence but it's like i'm not fucking tired fuck off like yeah but it, it's just like it's because you're just saying someone is something and it's obviously going to be different to what their perception of themselves is. Mm-hmm. Unless it like lines up and then you're just going to be like, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the effective way to communicate these sorts of things is to say, from my perspective, I think or I, you come across that this is where I think you got it wrong. But if you say things like, no, you're just, you are this, you know, you're making an entire judgment about this person. Just but. again, reading all, more of this, all of this social psychology. It's it's so. I'm I'm sitting here talking as though I'm immune from this. I'm not. I'm just aware of it. Uh, it's really scary how irrational we truly are. Mm. Yeah, mm. yeah. Mm. And then say, you know, I just read a chapter about self fulfilling prophecies, right? And so that's the. So before, if I've never met you, right? And then this was the first podcast we did. And I have an idea about, oh, political commentators are all arrogant and up themselves and uh, just talk down to people. I am then going to find evidence that just, it, it's, it's just, I'm just going to partake in a confirmation bias, okay? But there's subjective interpretations to the way you behave. So if I've been told, if I haven't met you before, but I've been told, hey, uh, political commentators are some of the most intelligent people. Uh, you can't b- fully comprehend what they're saying. They're in- very deep thinkers. Then you can say and do the exact same things, and I'm going to think, wow, yeah, you really are a deep thinker. Mm. Or mm. I'm going to, oh, yeah, you really are an arrogant cunt. Mm. Based on just this idea that I've either arbitrarily constructed or someone has influenced me. I mean, they do studies. It's just crazy. They do these studies where they've just... For, you know, a given period of time, could even be a couple of minutes, I don't know, I can't remember exactly, but they just tell students to focus on certain words. So they had one control group focusing on negative words and then they had one control group focusing on more positive uh, leadership type words, you know, assertive, confident, and then other ones were like bullying, domineering, things like that. And then they... In what they thought was a previous, in in a separate experiment, they told them to describe someone's behavior or something like that, and then the 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 people who had just had that recent influence of thinking about those words, so it's just mulling about in their recent consciousness. They then immediately attributed that 
to what they saw in the next experiment. So they, I think, I'm being very vague about this, but I think, I have to reread it, but uh, I think they saw someone speaking and they were confident when they spoke, very eloquent. And the people who had been focused on the negative words were more likely to perceive that person as negative, whereas the people who had just recently focused on the positive words were more likely to perceive that person as positive. So it goes as deep as just whatever your recent influence, if you just hear a song and it's talking about, um, my girlfriend was a bad person and she cheated on me and things. And then you're maybe conversing with your girlfriend. That is going to influence you. Mm. And the way you interpret those gray area actions and behaviors, it's just, it's, it's just, uh, yeah, to, to sidetrack that. But anyway, that, no, but it's that like, it's an group. endless loophole. Is like, it just, the more you, the whole time you were just saying, I'm just thinking about like, fuck, Whatever you focus on, that's reality. Like, and, and the more examples you hear of that and how tiny that gets, as in just like you, you just look at the word bad. Yes. After that, there's just going to be the residue of bad mm-hmm. through everything that you're seeing. Yeah. Uh, man, it's really scary how suggestible people are. And by suggestible, I just mean myself as well. Yes, myself too. But you need, but at least you need to be need aware to be of it. You need to be aware of it, and then it humbles you. And I think coming back to, I guess that tribe, they're just not. They're not. You know, that's the way to describe. They're not humble people. No, that is the exact antithesis of what they are. No. Some of them they, are very intelligent. You know, very well read. I really don't even think that's the case. They're well read. I don't. Yes, I, I don't know whether you call. I don't think, dude. Like most of the woke people that I know, they just watch heaps of Netflix. Like, that's <laughs> true. A, some of them, yeah. Like <laughs> the, I've never reading. met anyone who's like woke, and is uh, an intelligent person. The closest thing that I would have to that is politicians that I've met. That I guess you could describe some of their beliefs as woke, but like. Nah, it's they're really not, the, dude. They are not those people that are just like, you know, I don't know. Uh, sh- you know, like sh- let's let's talk about fucking Mister Potato Head. Like, it's so good that they got rid. They're not those people. They they wouldn't fucking focus on that for a second. Sure, like only dimwits focus on that stuff. Yeah, I mean, you just can't avoid it sometimes, but. Say, okay, I watched your interview with Bill Shorten and I know how you on one of the previous podcasts were talking about how wonderfully he came across and his personality and things like that. Now, I think you've obviously dedicated your life to the positives of the Labour Party and that's something you focus on. So you're always going to interpret his behaviour it's very likely that you'll interpret his behavior in a positive light. Whereas I saw that interview and I didn't think he was bad or anything, but I thought he just comes across kind of meek. Yeah. But that could be because I've just listened to much more of, I don't know, Alan Jones being like, yeah, Bill, oh, this Bill Shorten has got no spine or whatever. No, but okay. Yes, that's true. You could say he's coming off as meek and I'm using the word humble. Still in the same category, though. It's just like there's, yeah, there's it's a, a different, different emotional connection to it, but it's still exactly like coming it. to this same thing of just like he's quite a self-effacing man. But how different is it then when you say 
I don't want to meek leader versus I want to humble is something people want. Meek, people don't want someone meek. But again, this is a Christian phrase, the meek shall inherit the earth. That, yeah. Yeah. You know? And it's just like, I think it's, dude, they are saying that because like, I guess just back then, maybe meek was a closer definition to humble, hmm. but they are just saying that that, man, whatever version of the word that you're going to use, I suppose meek is closer to weak. That's what people are saying. Yes. But like, dude, that's really who you want in a leader. Like, because if you are a meek person, if you are self-effacing, you are not going into every scenario with this like prejudgment of I'm right. Like, that was one of the things that he said in the interview was just like, and it's true. He definitely did that when he was in the room as well. And this is the thing, like, because, like, you're not wrong. Look, I have interviewed other politicians that are from the Labor Party, and obviously I'm not going to say which ones. But afterwards, I left and I thought, no, nah, they're a bit of a cunt. Yeah, see, interesting because I've watched, I think, all of your interviews with the politicians. Now I know you were glowing about Jody Mackay. I also saw that one, and I'm talking purely just on the way they came across as a person which is what most people vote on anyway. They think they vote on policy. You don't. Uh, she came across a bit nervous and felt like she was a, a bit unsure of some of the things she was saying and a bit almost like just like a suburban mum. The one I really liked was Tanya Plibersek. I thought she was confident. She was intelligent. She was firm. But then she also showed a lot of humanity when she started crying about, I can't even remember what it was now, but... It didn't seem fake. It seemed very authentic. Of all the people, just purely on character and personality, I'd I'd vote for her. Mm. Tanya Plibersek is Tanya Plibersek is a notably standout person. The difference is all three of them are. I actually do think okay. this. Like out of the politicians that I've interviewed, and actually I've interviewed quite a few that we haven't even done, like those those definitely are the three standouts. But I will say this, that both Shorten and Jody McKay don't, don't transfer well on camera. Mm. I don't know why. I don't know why because... And my interpretation could be very different. I'm not saying I'm the no, I think average that you're voter like, or anything like that, but no, I think that you're right. Like the, the the average person does think that about all of them. It's just like I don't know, man. Like some people, you you can definitely learn this skill. This is def- this yeah. is kind of like linked to theater. Like you can and, learn how to like have a better presence on camera. And I just would add Australians, myself included, we have already are coming in with a very negative idea about politicians in general. You know, I always say, oh, politicians are just the, like, weirdos that joined the SRC and the student politics in uni. They were always just fucking cunts. So I'm already coming in with a deeply negative view and preconceived idea, which I should probably try and rid myself of, to be fair. No, it's true, though. That's And a lot of them are. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like a lot of them, but the thing is, usually the ones that are put in the star positions mm. are there because they're kind of like above that. They 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 are truly exceptional human beings. That's why they're able to get that many people on side. Yeah, because politics obviously is just a lot of fucking bridge building. That's why like McGowan just crushed it in WA. 
Everyone keeps saying that. It's just like every time you look at him, he's just a person, you know? He's not a politician. So as soon as you can get out of that phrase, like, yeah, you're right. Like if you can go beyond being a politician and get people to see you as a person, that's going to work. But yeah, you're right, Cameron. Because like the thing that I'm always thinking about is one of my girlfriend's teachers in acting was saying that the guy from Game of Thrones, he was doing a scene with him. And when... He was doing the scene with him. He was just like, this guy is the worst actor I've ever seen in my life. Like he was he was worse than amateur theater people. Mm. Uh, and then he went back and looked at him on camera and he was just like, fuck, this guy's brilliant. It can happen. Camera changes a lot of things. I don't know why. It can, it can change. You know this as well. So many comedians that are terrible live translate really well to film stand-up. Yeah. I don't know what it is. And Look, again, there would be answers to this, though. A lot of there my jokes that go extremely well live, there's a whole other element there. There's, you know, the interaction and the social cues and feeling out the room, whereas then it almost becomes more closer to a film. Was the image that's being portrayed and how is it being portrayed? You're even looking at the camera angles and the editing and all these other aspects of film come into it. Well, don't you think that this is something that transfers when you do your live shows? It's actually those cackles that work really well, sharp laughs. But actually, a lot of the times that like a, a joke that kills live, that doesn't seem to translate, it's it's more like a a wit laugh. Like you look in the audience and a lot of people are okay. kind of like wiping away tears or you can see them kind of like sinking back in their chairs. Those are... yeah. Those are actually better laughs live. And then those ones where you're like, ha, 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 Like, I guess it's not a fake laugh, but it's more just like a, it's more an aggressive laugh. It's kind of like a, yeah, fucking nailed or some shit. That translates well. Yeah. And it's as simple as just putting la- extra laughs in. I've Look, all comedians do that. I'm not trying to say, reveal my secrets or whatever, but a lot of, you can even tell with a lot of the Netflix specials, the cut to the crowd, they're not clapping. And there's all these big clap applause mm. breaks. Mm. Because, and it's why sitcoms have the canned laughter. It's I think we're just psychologically programmed to laugh when other people are laughing. It makes a huge difference. It does. You can, you can, it would be a great experiment. I could probably do a YouTube video on that to just show the exact same clip with laughs and without laughs. And whether people will laugh at it, they, they wouldn't. And the other thing is, you know what else? When the laugh track is happening, it also tricks your mind. Like, you might not laugh at it, but your brain just thinks like, well, they're laughing at it, so therefore it is funny. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but that there are parallels there to a politician being interviewed, but that that seems a bit more stock standard. When a politician's delivering a speech, there's less elements like the laughter and you've got your set design i suppose when the president of america gives a speech it's this ostentatious background with the flags and he's in this immaculate suit uh that can obviously add to the prestige of the person uh so there are elements but but still if if people have been influenced so deeply by propaganda and they have preconceived ideas of politicians celebrities whatever it may be groups cultures they're gonna just look for evidence to confirm that view Mm. 
So, oh, Labor Party are just, they're weak and they've never held a real job in their life and they don't know how to actually lead any little, okay, Meek. Yeah, look, he's he's spineless. Like, I can see that, that he's spineless there. Mm. Similarly, if someone thinks, you know, liberals are all racist, conservative dinosaurs. Oh, look, you said that one thing. Yep, see, confirmed. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah, they are. And you know what else as well? This is kind of a trick to the trade, but it's why if you get into talk as a job and you hit a nerve, you've got an audience for life. It's because yeah, they love, people yeah. just want fucking their entire... Like, it's the same thing with me. Like, I want to talk about a bunch of different topics, but I know that my audience will just come back to me for politics and they'll come back to me for paying out reality TV shows. You can just keep pressing those buttons and you know that the audience will be back for that. And I have my uh, comfort food habits as well that I consume, right? Mm. But that's the whole thing. It's just like... Once you're in like a game, you're just expected to play those rules over and over again and you keep getting rewarded for playing those rules over and over again. Hmm. And it is because you are just confirming people's realities. And there's no real way around that, I don't think. I don't think that there's a way that you can... If you if you ever break someone's expectations... They will punish you. Yeah. It's kind of yeah. like the same thing with like Scott Morrison, for instance, right? Like I've noticed this. Every time you attack him on, he's a dodge cunt. Like he's shifty. Everyone's kind of just like, yeah, I guess. But every time you're just like, he's fucking lazy. He's a lazy cunt. People are just like, yeah, fuck him. He's fucking lazy. And it's because you, you get this portrayal or you get this idea. I suppose it was just when he fucked off during the bushfires. You're just like, he's a slothful, like he's, he's dodgy. But if you start like reframing it as he's lazy, people weren't expecting that as part of his character. Hmm. And so when that expectation is or like it's, it's highlighted, people don't have like a thing. It's another good example of it, I guess is like, um, Okay, say John Edwards, who was a US politician that was running for president, and he was, I think at some point, more popular than Obama was. Then it was revealed that he had an affair and his career was fucking done. He was gone. Mm. Arnold Schwarzenegger, on the other hand, not only had one affair with his wife, he was just like, yeah, I fucked hundreds of women while I've... uh but don't you reckon, like, when it's Arnold Schwarzenegger, you're just like, yeah, of course he fucking did. He's Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, similar with Trump. You just expect it. Yeah, you're just like, it would not change any. What was genius about Trump? Interesting. Don't you think, thought of that. Don't you reckon? So like, it's, it's not people judging someone based on whether they've had an affair. It's judging them whether the affair fits their given, the given idea that people have of them in their reality. Yeah, which is why, and I think that this is something with Trump. I really don't think that there is anything that that guy could say that would make you change your opinion on him. If he said sorry or if he said something. What, Damn. If he said something unexpected, it would be, yeah, I got that wrong and I apologize to the 
people, then you'd be like, oh, what the fuck? That's, that's Actually, not, I remember him apologizing once. And it was weird. <laughs> just, Dude, that's so true. Like, so but basically, as long as he that. just like fucking just like sticks to his guns no matter what, like always insists that he's like supremely right, like unbelievably right. And also, because you kind of just expect that he's a bullshit artist. Like, he is just able to get away with anything because you kind of just like, when I'm looking at him, I expect him to lie. And when he lies, I'm kind of just like, well, that's Trump. Like, get over it. You know? Yeah, the things I wouldn't expect from him are, well, what we're talking, introspection. Yeah, you're right. The reason I sometimes come across as a compulsive liar is because I use it as a defense mechanism to protect my fragile ego. <laughs> yeah, you do. That's so. Like, even what? you saying that, I'd just be like, you pussy. Yeah, like, yeah. Damn. Because that's an expectation he set for. Oh, so, even the expectation we subconsciously put out there, we need to keep them up because then otherwise people judge us for it. Even if it's by some metric that they wouldn't judge someone else. So, you'd expect someone else to be honest and to say, sorry, but with him, you don't. Because that's just the expectation we have of him. God. That's a that's a character he is in our narrative. Or some we all have people like that in our world. Fuck in our own little Marvel universe. Anyway, I do I we were meant to do the other person's podcast idea, but that conversation got sidetracked. William, we will get to your I know you've been waiting for a couple of months. We'll get to your podcast oh, shit. idea. Sorry, ASAP. man. No, no, sorry, I mean, sorry. We had, a, we had a good we had a good discussion there. Yeah, look, yeah, apologies. Well, is there like some other question that's just like a quick one at the end or it's just that guy's got the podcast one? Nah, we can just, we'll wait till the next. Yeah, fuck it. Wait till the next one. Okay. Keep them waiting. Happy with that. Do say it's it, within 12 months of the initial subscription, we will either answer the question or, or the podcast topic. So we got time. Guaranteed. Thanks for watching. Cheers, guys. Oh, we're ending it now. Well, aren't we? What Wasn't that the end? No, I was just mentioning that we hadn't done that. <laughs> okay, all right. We didn't have to end it. Now it's Dude, it awkward. is the end. What, so we're just going to like ride right, well, this we'll, out for a minute for What are your concluding remarks on what was this? What can we call well, you know. Look, I ever since you told me about the fact that there's all these filters that are dictating your reality, that freaked me out. I've been thinking about it ever since. And uh, how do people, because so many people study psychology, how are they not having like crises in their first year thinking, how do they sleep at night learning the, because you learn this shit in first year psychology. How the fuck do you can't sleep after you learn this stuff? And they're just going through the motions and learning it, but they don't, uh, the implications of this are you know incredible. Why? You know why? Because they're participating in their own delusional reality. No, I reckon that that's to do with fucking body language. Like, I remember going to... Because I did, like, a bit of psychology at uni. And I was just like, this sucks. You know what it was? Yeah. Just boring lecturers. Just sitting there saying <laughs> yeah, exactly the yeah. same things you're saying. But they're saying... Like, they're just being like, and you'll... Uh, I noticed in this experiment, the uh, gorilla went into the middle of the basketball players. And no one noticed the basketball. But, like, when you're saying it, you're just like... And he just went into the fucking middle of it and no one noticed. <laughs> you know, like, like yeah. you know, it's just like, it, it, just hearing it like that, you just, that is insane. 
So I think that's yeah. it. It's just when you are learning it at university on an academic level, it's completely devoid of emotion, which stops you from realizing how scary the implications of that are. Because you really are a robot. You're just going through the motions. You're like, i got to get my degree. i got to get my pass mark. So then I get this career that I've always wanted. Yes. Thinking about all those other things. <laughs> when you you're just you being taught that we're fucking insane, all of us. Yeah. Not just insane as well, flesh pods. Predictably insane. F- predictably insane. And also, this is the thing that really scares me about being a human being. I mean, thinking about it in the context, it's just kind of like your whole life is just this thing of like stimulus. And then like an animal, you just react to the stimulus. It's a giant. We are always chasing a chemical hit. Life is just a series of drug hits. It is. It because really is. You get sex, you get, okay, that's a dopamine hit, so probably also a serotonin hit if you're getting it consistently. Oxytocin involved there, so that's why you're constantly chasing that. Uh, career aspirations are a way to move up the social hierarchy. Oxytocin hits every time you do that. You know, when you fall in love, it's more oxytocin. Sorry, serotonin for the career. I'm assuming. Uh, yeah. I'm sure. There's another chemical called vasopressin that I have to research a bit more about, but that's one that they don't talk about a lot, and I think it's got to do when men orgasm, the vasopressin goes up or something like that. When, when f- women orgasm, their oxytocin spikes, so that's when they're the most in love, whereas the male oxytocin, is it spikes in a commitment when a woman is committed to you, when you feel like she is committed to you. That's why men go crazy when they get dumped because all that oxytocin, whereas for the girl, the oxytocin's probably slowly leveled off over time anyway. So yeah. she's already she's already left the relationship. It's the classic thing. Whereas then the man's like, oh, fuck off. No, I need you. Damn. Because that's, that's why definitely the suicide rate's so high. Yeah. Huge. Because I do know that, that like a- uh, Their little drug hit's gone. And this is true as well. Women get over past relationships. Way men don't. quicker. Yes. Like, yeah. they're, they're, they're but like sometimes don't. men just don't. Like, oh, I, yeah. I mean, it's a fact. Yeah. I can verify that. Yeah. <laughs> I can verify it. Yeah. That's the, yeah. It's that's, just constantly imprinted on your mind of that was the a huge <sighs> break in my consistent serotonin and. It's so cold just thinking about that woman as well. Like it's still imprinted in your mind and the woman's kind of just like, what? Oh, yeah, yeah, we dated. Yeah, he was fine. (laughs) (laughs) He was fun. (laughs) Some women may have certain people. Do they? Well, I hear a lot with uh, especially women that maybe are more on the woke and progressive side. I've never heard one be like, yeah, I did the wrong... Or, or like, I can see why he got upset or something like that. It's like, no, he was toxic. He was an asshole. He was this. He was... It's, it's, it's Again, it comes down to one of two conclusions. Either men truly do suck and we're these t- complete pieces of shit that are emotionally unintelligent, don't know what we're doing, always treat our girlfriends like crap. Or women are living in a delusional reality where they're perfect 
and men are always dumb and ruining everything. Dude, you know what was like, fuck, now that you've mentioned that, Jesus, I saw Judith Lucy stand up once. Fuck me. Like, I thought that it was going to be mad because I saw like a little preview of it and she said, just like in movies, the one good joke in the entire stand-up thing. Yeah. You know what it was? An hour of her talking about how all these men have fucked her over in her life. And I was just like, Darl, I'm seeing one common factor throughout that all is, of them. That is textbook narcissism. Isn't it? And she finished the entire show with a mould of her vagina. <laughs> All right. Look, I like Judith Lucy. I think she's very funny, but that just is, it's well, what you I, I always That's thought so too because I've seen her in like little five-minute clips here and there. But when you see an hour, this is the thing that I think is really interesting about going to see a stand-up show because it's kind yeah, of- Yeah, an hour is different. Well, it's, it's an insight because you're there with it for an hour. Hmm. It's an insight into that person's brain. Like you really are just sitting there and like getting a nice fucking- portion of like all the things they've been thinking about for a year that's the interesting aspect of going to stand-up shows yeah and so when you leave i think that the way that you feel after leaving more than any other performance because it's the most introspective there's nothing more introspective than stand-up the way that you feel about that comedian i swear is like a result of how that person thinks and so, like, yeah, I don't know, like, a good example, I guess, is, uh, you know, when, when, I, when I left Shooter Williamson's show, <laughs> that's pretty, dude, that's the response that you have about Shooter Williamson. When you leave the show, you're kind of just like, that guy, that guy has that trait of, look, he's got comedic skills because he's been working on it for so long, but he's a funny guy. And it's because his life was fucked. You can tell his life was fucked. He's a very he's a very funny guy. Yes. And I think it's that same thing that we were talking about before. Like He's a good joke, right? Too. Yes, he is. He is. And I don't know, because I wasn't start, starting at the beginning of the career, but I just imagine that because he's been a comedian for so long, he's picked up those traits. But you can tell that at the at the, the crux of that man, it's just like, yeah, he, he is hung out with some serious deros in his life. And so it's like you feel that afterwards, you get a glimpse into like what his reality was like. You you leave and you you laugh at it. And it's the same with yours as well. You leave your show feeling like relaxed, comfortable, thoughtful. Like it's like it's a nice, it's a nice feeling when you leave your show. Oh, I do you. not get that when you go to those those people, like the the, the the token crowd. Like it's it's every fucking one of those shows I've always just left and been like, fuck you are up yourself. Like if there's one thing that you shouldn't be as a comedian, it's like really narcissistic. Like it's, it's like it should be the most humbling of all the fucking arts. Like, I think musicians can get away with being up themselves. It's, again, that thing of, like, Mm. you expect it. But, like, if you are up yourself as a comedian, you're not really doing your job. Okay, if you're, you're like, so up yourself and, like, clownish like Trump is, I suppose. Yeah. Like, but you have to bring the narcissism to, like, such a, like, Trumpian level. 
Yeah, right, right. If you're just a run-of-a-mill narcissist, it's like, no. It's not special at all. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, that's what I get, like, when I go and watch any uh, stand-up shows from the YouTube crowd. You get why they were able to attract a large audience by themselves. Mm. There's an authenticity to them. It's the same thing with Isaac. You know what I get, which is like something that I think that like the average person just has always been like, oh my God, he's treacherous. You know what you actually get when you like watch him for an hour? Dude, he is actually one of the sweetest and most considerate out of us. On a personal level, yeah, he 100% is. Don't you reckon? Like, he's he's actually quite a sweet-natured man. And he's like, he, he actually does Incredibly. think about other people a lot. The most welcoming, nice, kindest person I've ever met in comedy. Yeah. By a long shot. By a mile. Isn't yeah. it amazing? And then all of these fuckhead woke cunts, like, are always looking down on him. And it's just like, yeah. no, you've lost the game, dude. Like, he has beaten you in terms of, like, decency. He's a much more decent man than you are. He's probably very comfortable with himself, so he feels comfortable saying indecent things, whereas maybe the people who know they are indecent people. Jim Jeffrey sort of has a joke about that where he talks about he actually does these rape jokes, which he got a lot of, copped a lot of flack for, but then he ends the the bit by saying, because he's impersonating Bill Cosby raping... I know people are going to hate me, so it was... It was funny. And then, and then, because he's like, um, oh, if you were going to get fingered by someone, uh, Bill Cosby would be kind of funny, right? <laughs> so, wait, we're not laughing at the fact someone's getting abused. We're laughing at the Bill Cosby, the absurdity of it. Um, and also that it's like very taboo. Yeah. That, that heightens yes. the laugh. Yes, it's this cathartic release. And then he, 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 Makes a good point. He says, people say, you know, I'm not allowed to say this. These are just words. These are just jokes. You know who also had never swore or never said anything dirty in their comedy? Bill Bill Cosby. Cosby. Shit. The more I'm seeing this, the more maybe now I have this perception and it's a preconceived idea and I'm just going to look for evidence for it. But everyone who's constantly putting out this image of I'm a good person and not good people. Never. It's the complete opposite. People yeah. who are comfortable with themselves, whether they're good people, they're at least they're honest. And then good people never actually go around being like, oh, I'm a good person. Man, that's so... Like, no, that's how it is. And you know what else as well? Good people, if you attack their personality or you attack their being or anything like that, they always laugh. They're always just like, you they're pay like, them out. Oh, they're yeah, like, oh, oh, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I reckon that's why, like, in general, the average Asian really <laughs> does laugh at their own jokes. I do think that Asians, because of their culture, dude, they don't, those cunts don't need Christianity. Like, they have. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> don't you reckon? Jordan. Like, all, all like... Uh, Great quote by Jordan. Those cunts don't need Christianity. Those <laughs> Asians cunts don't need Christianity. In reference to Asians, all Asians. Cunts. <laughs> <laughs> Another out of context clip there for sure. But like they... they uh, their culture is all about beating out ego. Mm, interesting. They have such smaller egos than the average white person, for instance. The white people out of all of the races have the, the biggest Giant. ego. Giant. <laughs> this is all the joke is. It's just reflective of our culture, isn't it? It's just... it's, it's And that's why it's just... Again, it's it's narcissism on a... On a on a uh, you know like a massive cultural level, macro cultural level, mm. and therefore they can't fucking take a joke because they 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 think about themselves too highly. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's a good point to wrap it up. Yeah. Sorry. Watch, think about it. Now. Yeah. Went on all sorts of tangents there. What about classic things that we talk about? But. With new insight. Here's hoping. I bet yeah, everybody is just like, dude, you do realize you guys have talked about this. Soon this should just be renamed Neil and Jordan Go Through Alzheimer's, the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. But look, 100% out of the next two podcasts, we're doing the, we're doing the audience one. Yeah. We just got sidetracked. All right. Cheers, guys. See you next time. Hey. Yeah, brah. Hurus khan. Kudus actually does work. It does make you feel happier.